Welcome to the Choose You Now podcast. I'm your host, Juliana Hever, and we are back for our monthly Q&A. So I'm going to bring in my fabulous producers, producer Adam and producer Sanford. Thank you for being here today. Hey, hey. Hello, everybody. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you? Great. I'm feeling, I'm feeling a lot of leafy green love today. Oh, I'm actually, you, you're the, the good people listening can't see it, but I'm actually wearing a bright green t-shirt today in honor of Juliana. Looks fabulous. Thank you. My favorite shade of green too. Oh, good. So, I like that. Yeah. All right. So what, we, what do we got today on the tap for Q&A? So we have some really, really great questions today. So the first one I'm going to go to is from Ashley on Facebook. Ashley wants to know what your thoughts are what your thoughts are on people who push intuitive eating. And this is what she says. I hear this message a lot, but I feel like I don't want to discard the fact that some foods are just never healthy, but I also struggle to eat quote unquote perfectly whole food, plant-based all the time. So I guess before you answer this, Juliana, I've never heard of this before. What exactly is intuitive eating? Well, thank you, Ashley. I think this is a really good question. And I try to address this because it's important. And classically, intuitive eating was basically about rejecting the diet mentality. It was about making peace with food and your body. And actually, one of the pioneers of the movement is quoted as saying that the intention of intuitive eating was to create the model um, to alleviate the suffering that dieting causes. But I've seen this kind of change. And I'm wondering, Ashley, like which, which parts you've heard, because there's so many different versions of this now. And there's like this one branch of it now I would probably link to it with the health at every size messaging. And like that's a whole other part of this where it's about they've we've lost the war on obesity. This is what they state on their website. We've lost the war on obesity. Fighting fat hasn't made the fat go away. And being thinner, even if we knew how to accomplish it successfully, will not necessarily make us healthier or happier. However, the science simply just does not support that. We still know that diet is the number one cause of early death and disability in the world, and that obesity and overweight is inextricably tied to most chronic diseases. So achieving and maintaining a healthy weight is really important for improving your disease risk and even the outcomes once you, if you have some kind of condition. So I do love the principles of not perfection, and I, I incorporate this into my work to answer your question, Ashley, of what I think about it is I do incorporate it in kind of a different way. My center is on mindfulness. And I think that's, that is a part of that too, where tuning into hunger and satiety, avoiding foods that, you know, make that difficult, where, you know, hyperpalatable foods that, that have those really high dopamine hits and make you overeat them, um, without the satiety. I also focus on eating for nourishment and taking care of your body. Exactly what this podcast is all about, choosing you and choosing to eat healthy and nourishing. And then what you, what you said about uh, perfection, no, I mean, that's where we talk about radical self-compassion, like Catherine Lennard said in that episode, radical self-compassion. There's no such thing as perfection. And I think striving for that could totally be the enemy of progress and being really solid in, in aiming to eat overall healthy. And really what matters is that you eat most of the time a healthy meal. So don't be so hard on yourself. I love the idea of being tuned into your body and how it responds to food, what you love to eat, and trying to make an effort to eat what the science shows is super healthy for you. So it's an interesting question and it's evolved in all sorts of different directions. And I'm all about, you know, loving your body healthy because you want to. 
That should be the next t-shirt, loving your body healthy. Aww. Adam, you need to keep a list. I thought you were keeping a list for the merch shop, for the Choosing I Now merch I have the Q&As. I'll, I'll go back. I'll just look <laughs> for all the laugh moments because that's where we normally where we, where we have it. Ashley, thank you for that question. That was a really interesting question. Thank you for that. Um, the next question, uh, Juliana, is from Instagram. I'm going to completely mess up this name, so so the user will please forgive me. Doin Napengeli. Doin Napengeli. That's how I think you say it. That's how I say it, at least. This is what they want to know. They want to know, could you please tell me a few ideas of vegan foods that are good for weight gain? So I've got such a fun answer to this question because this might be shocking. Brace yourselves, guys. Um, You could gain weight with pretty much most foods. Like No matter what you're eating in the world, you can gain weight. So it's more of a strategy of how you eat to gain weight and most importantly, I'm very opposed to what a lot of healthcare professionals will say, just eat whatever you can to you know, gain weight, just eat whatever you want to eat, because then you're avoiding you know, optimizing your diet for nutrition and for disease risk prevention, all that stuff. So I would say eat more frequently, eat more nutritionally dense. So that would look like, so I'm not saying like ice cream and cookies and stuff, but more like nut butters together with, you know, like Oh, I wish I wrote some ideas down ahead of time to think about this because I can never think of exact foods in the moment. But um, things that are more nutritionally dense include nuts and seeds and nut butters. Hummus should be a food group. We already have that t-shirt. So you could add that to the list, Adam. But you know, stuff that's more concentrated. You could puree things. You could do like a nice green smoothie with lots of leafy greens because you don't want it to just be fruit. But just more things that are packed in. And I think blending things, puree things happen to be more, you know, just easier way to get more and not have all that fullness. So like you can push a little bit past the comfort zone and get a little bit fuller and just eating more frequently is a way to help it. But, you know, always concentrating on that list, vegetables, fruits, whole grains, legumes, mushrooms, nuts, seeds, herbs, and spices, and infinite tasty combinations and find some more nutrient dense or calorically dense options and just try to spread it more throughout the day so that you're getting more in. The other thing that I think is the best way to really approach it is to maybe up your game in the fitness arena. Like maybe you do a little bit more exercise. Maybe you lift a little heavier weights. You go for a longer walk, a longer bike ride, get in the water. Water absolutely increases appetite because you want to increase your appetite and um, and that'll help you eat. So those are some things to consider. I have a question for you. Let's do the flip side of that. So are there such a thing as foods that help with weight loss? There's always these headlines out there that are like, eat this to lose weight. And I'm like, well, what? It doesn't matter. No. I mean, yes, you want to eat calorically lighter foods, right? So more, more vegetables. I'm always, I'm always like vegetables first. I kind of have veggie first goggles on when it comes to healthy eating and especially with weight loss and healthy eating. But those are going to be a little calorically lighter, right? Those are the, the low, the least calories per gram. Um, at all the foods and uh, leafy greens and mushrooms, stuff like that. But again, if you're not losing weight and you're eating this whole food plant-based diet or just even a healthy diet, uh, you're just, the only answer is that you're eating too much, either too frequently or too much volume. And that's what my new book is about, Choose You Know Diet, coming in December. And I break that down. It's just basically, it, no matter what you are eating, what the constituents of your diet is, if you can't lose weight, it's because you're not giving your body enough time off of eating or just of not enough of too much food so that you could tap into your fat storage. Like that's just how it, it works metabolically speaking. 
So it's, and it's not fun. It's actually really miserable to lose weight, but you just try, I, I, when my clients come to me, I'm like, let's just get this done and move on with your life. So it's not that roller coaster where you're constantly like flirting with like being at your ideal weight and then gaining weight. And it's just, it's so frustrating. And I just want you to take a little period of time, focus on it, and then get back to maintenance because that's way easier and more fun. So it's not, yeah, that's, that's what I would say about that. And, you know, just in terms of food and diet, you're the one who taught me the expression, you cannot out-exercise a bad diet. You taught yep. me that. And I never heard that before. And when you hear it, it's sort of a bit of a game changer. It's a game changer indeed. And I actually have my clients take a break from exercise. And as a personal trainer and an exercise aficionado my entire life, it was shocking to me because this is what I learned in grad school. And in what, what you learn and what you read about is that you have to exercise to lose weight. But I have my clients stop because I've noticed that it really inhibits the loss. In fact, it halves the rate of loss for my clients. So as healthy and fabulous as exercise is, and definitely needs to be addressed and incorporated into your everyday life for the rest of your life, that one little period of time when you want to lose weight, just take a break, sit on the couch, and don't eat a lot. <laughs> you will lose the weight and then you get back to all those healthy habits. And then I bring back exercise. That's the first way I bring it back to go into maintenance mode. So, and then you know what's funny is that the people that always were like, oh, I have to exercise by the end of working with me, they're like, please, can I exercise? <laughs> they just want to get back so bad. So that's a bonus. But the other thing I think, and I'm completely going off book here. So everyone, please forgive me. And Adam, if you don't find this interesting, please take this out. But what I also think is interesting too is, you know, we were always taught, you and I are essentially the same age. And we were always taught like Jack LaLanne was teaching us how to exercise. I completely just dated myself, but exercise was all about- And me, thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, okay. But exercise was all about staying fit and lean, right? And now truth is, um, I, I now spin six days a week. I do it for my mental- clarity and mental health. And I'll be honest with you, the the physical benefits for, to me, that's secondary. But I just think it's an interesting switch now because I think a lot of people do exercise, especially with exercising at home, they do it for their mental health, which I think is great. Right? Fabulous. Yeah. I think it's important for mental health, for clarity, for your, you know, um, you know, sleeping for everything in life is better with exercise. Truly. It's I mean your circulation, every system in your body I'm not poo-pooing exercise by any means. I'm just saying and noticing that it truly does inhibit the weight loss process. So you could still do it. It just takes longer. And most of my clients just want to get it done with. I mean, you know, who wants to be on that roller coaster for years and years? And just, just last note then, folks, I promise I'm going to move on. But a week or two ago, I did not want to go to my spin class. I was like trying to think of every excuse not to go. Do you remember what you said to me? Tell, tell everybody what you said to me. You will never regret exercise. You'll only regret not doing it. And I could not agree more. Anyway, and by the way, like if you are interested in just listening to an episode, really interesting, thoughtful episode about mental health, check out the interview that Juliana did with Joey Thurman. It's, it's a really, really, like I said, thoughtful, thoughtful interview about mental health. Anyway, we're going to move on. Thank you for that question. Thank you so much. Our next question from Facebook is from Randy. Randy wants some suggestions for green drink powders for when you don't have time to make and eat a salad. Yes. Thank you, Randy. And it's so interesting. I don't really have a clear answer on this. I used to take those too because I used to travel all the time. And sometimes I would take the green 
drink powders or little capsules just in case I didn't have my regular usual diet around. And so I'm kind of like, um, I've changed a little bit once I dug into the health span literature. And now I find myself balancing between the whole optimized nutrition always mentality to the less is more that you see with health span. And basically that whole idea of health span and, and longevity is talking about kind of less is more, xenohormesis, this biological principle that explains that when plants are stressed out, like from being out in the, you know, in the, in the environment, they get some stress and they produce these bioactive compounds that actually help get, protect you against that, that stress out there and help survival. So that little bit of stress in your life can actually be helpful. So I don't necessarily am always trying to get more nutrition, optimal nutrition every single day. So maybe if I eat less when I'm traveling or if I can't have everything perfect, I'm a little bit more at peace. So I don't necessarily recommend them, but I also wouldn't really necessarily say anything against them. One comment I would say is I wouldn't do spirulina. That's in a lot of those powders. So you have to be careful of that. Spirulina is something that acts as a B12 analog. So it looks like vitamin B12 in the body, but it's not active. So it takes up those receptor molecules in your body. And then that uh, decreases your absorption of biologically active B12, which is a problem, especially when you're on a plant-based diet. So be careful of spirulina. There's also a lot of toxins found in there and pollutants. So that's the one note I would say if you are going to approach it, but I don't know if it's necessarily necessary. I don't also know if it's necessarily bad, especially if you're excluding the spirulina and all those fancy herbs that could be a little bit too much for the body. Is there such a thing, such a thing as like a clean protein powder? Oh, I don't recommend protein powder. So wait, so wait, so what is the difference between what is the difference between green drink powders and a protein powder? They're probably a whole hybrid of both and different versions of. There's so many products out there. Oh my goodness, I can't even keep up because there are constantly new ones on the market. But greens usually they take uh, green leafy greens or broccoli or they use a lot of like chlorophyll stuff like um, like spirulina. That's why I mentioned that and chlorella and stuff like that. And they dehydrate it and turn it into a powder so that you could just have it on the go. So they really are different animals, actually. They're very much different animals. Well, but then there's a lot that- well, Actually, I shouldn't have, used the, shouldn't have used the term animals, but they're, they're like different, but, no, but they are very different. They're very different from each other. Well, they can be, but there's also some green powders that have protein in there. And this is, again, this is a great argument anti-macro confusion, right? Because like everything has protein. So you're going to get protein in it, but sometimes they add more concentrated sources of protein which is why it's such a moot point anyway. We should just talk about the actual food, right? Like greens, that we know what greens are. We know what nuts are. We know what whole grains are. But like, but what is a protein? You know, it just gets so confusing. And I, I just, I can't wait for us to get rid of that whole conversation. Whole being the operative word. Thank you. Ah, well hmm. played. Yeah. Randy, thank you for that question, Randy. Our next question is from Instagram. This one I can pronounce. It's from R.R. Francis. I actually love this question. Um, R.R. Francis wants to know if there are, uh, if conventional frozen blueberries and strawberries are safe to eat. And I would like to add to that, R.R. Francis, if you don't mind. I believe you once told me that um, frozen fruit is almost or just as good as fresh fruit. So can you can you talk about both of those things? I love how you remember all these things. Makes <laughs> you so happy, and you are spot on. Yes, frozen is fabulous and can be actually fresher because 
when you think about when you harvest the fruit or vegetable and you put it on the truck and then it drives to the store and then it goes in the back of the store and then it gets on the shelf and then you come to the store and you don't know how long it's been sitting on the shelf and then you drive it home and it sits on your counter until you're ready to eat it. But when they freeze it, they, they, it's called flash freezing and they basically harvest it and freeze it. So, cause you know, as soon as it comes off the vine, as soon as it comes out of the ground, it starts degrading nutritionally slightly, but it just starts the process. It's no longer plugged into its outlet of nutrition, nutrition, its source for nutrition. And so the quicker you have it to when it's plucked, the better. That's why frozen is a great option. And what I love about it is you could always have fruits and vegetables in your freezer. I, I always have fruits and vegetables, no matter what, I will never have that as a concern because I know I will, I could always make something because it's there in the freezer. It lasts for a long time and you don't have to cut or chop or wash bonus. Like that's just, you know, part of all the chopping and cutting and washing um, that saves time. So let's talk about conventional versus organic, which I think is what at our, our Francis was asking because the question was about conventional. And okay, here's the thing. Organic is optimal. It's better for the environment. It's better for, you know, fewer pesticides. Absolutely true. And what's interesting about that though, is here's the negatives about organic. Organic is not always available. It's usually more expensive and it's, you know, just not feasible for a lot of people. You may not even be able to find organic versions of most foods. So the good news is that the research shows that chronic dietary exposure to pesticides in the diet continues to be at levels below that of health concern. So basically the, the overarching message the most important thing you could do is eat more fruits and vegetables and healthy foods and not let organic get in that way. You're actually better off. There was a study in the Journal of Toxicology, I believe, from a couple of years ago. For the life of me, I couldn't find it today. I don't know if they took it off or I just not online, but it did this test and it found that if you ate one more serving of fruit and vegetable, conventionally grown fruit or vegetable, one extra serving of each a day, you have, it's 20,000 fewer cases of cancer from eating the more fruit and vegetable versus 10 cases of cancer due to the pesticide exposure, which to me was so interesting. It's like the dose makes a poison, but the, the benefits of eating fruits and vegetables far outweighs the risk of eating conventional. So my answer is eat fruits and vegetables, whatever you can get, just eat more of them. <laughs> but but wait, a- one more thing. Yeah. I'm sorry. One more thing is that there's that environmental working group does that dirty dozen every year. And they kind of look at the ones that have the most pesticides. So interestingly, the question was about strawberries and blueberries. Strawberries is almost always on that list, but you could refer to that and say, okay, if you're going to prioritize organic, you know, get the organic of the dirty dozen that they come up with every year. So that's usually like strawberries and spinach and nectarines and apples, but they, it varies every year. Dep- I don't know how it could vary every year, but that's another tip. Interesting. Very good. Very good. Thank you, R.R. Francis. Thank you for that. Here's the last question of this Q&A. This is a good one. This is a good one. In your opinion, what is the best kind of water to drink? Tap, well, spring, bottled, purified, filtered, or distilled? And I also want to know, Juliana, what you really think about bottled water. So that's the question from Alan, correct? From Facebook? Alan, yes. Okay. So this is a great question. And I didn't even think that there were that kind of many kinds of water until I read it in that list like that. <laughs> there really is. There's so many options out there. And okay, once again, it's not a black and white answer. You know, you need to drink water. It's important to incorporate water into your diet. You know, every day you should be drinking water. Um, and bottles sometimes is 
you know, helpful if you're on the go and there's nothing else out there. But of course, bottled has plastic and plastic gets infused into the water. I used to always panic about this when I became a mom and I saw my kids, you know, they would leave the bottle in the car and they would drink it the next day after it'd been sitting in the hot car. And I'd be like, oh my gosh, you're drinking plastic, like liquid plastic. So there's definitely risks to doing that. I wouldn't prioritize bottles at all. But I mean, now we have all, I, I was one of the first people because I remember in high school, I was carrying around a bottle of water all the time and people thought I was crazy. That was before that trend started. Yeah. And I was one of the, I remember that. And I remember when they started making these wonderful, like canteen, like cool um, bottles to take. So I was, oh, I was always into bringing, getting your own. I would get the kind that are, uh, what did I used to use? I don't remember the material, but like a healthy, like a stainless steel kind of a thing or glass. And, um, and then I would use that for my water. Because I could never do the water fountain that always grosses me out. I don't know. Just, but okay, so bottled is the least, I guess, the least, um, the last on your list of things to look for. And I do like filtered water. I think that's better because there are contaminants in our water. There's no way around that. Our water systems, most water systems, in, in at least you know, in many parts of the world, are safe and tested. So usually you could, you could technically get it out of the tap, but adding an extra little filter can't hurt. I just, I always want to filter it, but like, you know, they have all these really great systems out there that you could either get them for a little, not expensive or really expensive. And you know, whatever works for you, it's like, you know, what, whatever you can do and make it as best as you can for you, because I don't want you to say, Oh, I can't get it perfectly purified and filtered. So I'm going to not drink water. Just like the organic. I can't get organic. So I'm not going to eat fruits and vegetables, eat your fruits and vegetables, drink water, try to get it filtered, avoid bottled as much as possible, unless it's your own healthy bottle, not plastic and all that. And, uh, and give yourself a little, little drink of water with some comfort. <laughs> Adam, we should call Britta to see if they'd like to sponsor the podcast. And I, I'll never forget, you know, to wrap this up, I'll never forget my, I mean, this is probably such a, like 30 years ago, but I remember my father coming home from work one day and saying to us, you're never going to believe this. People were walking around the office today with little bottles of water and he could he couldn't believe it that people were and now it's like i don't know any different so anyway thank you everyone for your questions as always we love hearing from you and the questions are always always great so thank you so much yes great. thank you thank you so much producer stanford thank you producer adam and thank you all of you for your fabulous questions please keep those questions coming you can Reach out, and if you are inspired and enjoy the Choose You Now podcast, you can subscribe to the show, rate and review us on iTunes, and send all of your questions and comments to us directly at chooseyounowpodcast at gmail.com. And for information on my nutrition services, visit me at plantbaseddietitian.com. I invite you to choose yourself now, and I'm signing off with lots of leafy green love.